Welcome to the Optimal You podcast. This is pharmacist Steve Ersfeld. Grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and enjoy the show. I'm your host, pharmacist Steve Ersfeld. The goal of the Optimal You podcast is to have a visit with providers and others in the healthcare industry, in our area, and in this instance, beyond, that provide services that might be helpful to you in your journey to become the Optimal You. If you listen all the way to the end of the podcast, I have a special offer for you as a gift for taking the time to listen. Today's guest is nurse practitioner, Trevor Hossauer. Before we start our visit with Trevor, I need to let the listeners know that this podcast provides general information and a discussion about health and health-related subjects. The information provided in this podcast is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice, nor is the information a substitute for professional medical expertise or treatment. So a little background on our guest, Trevor Hossauer. Uh, Trevor graduated from the University of North Dakota with his master's of science in nursing. He is board certified by the American Association of Nurse Practitioners. After graduation and certification, he worked for three years in primary care and internal medicine. He has a God-given passion for help, helping patients with functional medicine and has advanced his training through the Institute for Functional Medicine and the Crestor Institute ADAPT Clinical Training Program. Trevor is a nurse practitioner in the Army Reserve, or was, right? Um, He is a veteran of 23 years with two deployments to Kuwait and retired in October of 2021. Trevor is married with three young children and a Cocker English Cocker Spaniel. He grew up and has lived in Fargo, North Dakota for the majority of his life. Favorite pastimes include family vacations, hanging out with his children, golfing, fishing, and hunting. So before we get into it and have you share a little bit more, Trevor, what's your handicap in golf? What do you, what do you run? <laughs> you know, I, I love golfing, but uh, being having a family that is young, it really cuts into that, right? So um, I honestly haven't golfed much in the last couple of years. Uh, prior to that, though, I brought a bogey golfer. So yep. around, around an 18 or so. I, I always say my handicap is my golf game. So, um, yeah, so th- thanks for joining the podcast. And, uh, you know, can you can you shed a little bit more light on, on your background, maybe how you got interested in nursing and, and where that spark to go towards functional medicine came from? Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for having me. I always appreciate the opportunity to, to chat with uh, people who are in, in, our, in our environment, in our surroundings, who are trying to improve the health of the of the population in general, just be able to get knowledge out there. So I appreciate the opportunity to be on this platform with you. Um, so my journey really started when uh, I, I was a kid, you know, my, my brother is disabled. Um, and so grew up very much involved in the, the healthcare uh, environment. He has uh, what, what's called FARS disease. It's a pretty rare disease. And uh, actually most, uh, most people who have had that disease have uh, died in infancy, but Uh, He actually had to go to like University of Minnesota, Mayo Clinic, you know, those kinds of things to be able to get to get diagnosed. And as a part of the upbringing with him, you know, we were in and out of a lot of different doctor's offices. He underwent uh, several surgeries and um, that provided an opportunity for me to really see, you know, what that medical industry was like. Um, 
you know, and very much ingrained in me and in my, um, in my family when I was young. And one of the things that I would say as a part of that experience was just being able to differentiate how different people practice medicine. You know, some of those experiences were really, really great. And, you know, you can tell those people had a great heart. They had a great bedside manner. They were able to communicate. They were able to listen and understand and answer questions in a way that was um, understandable by the person on the other side of the bed. Um, but there were also some of those experiences that left a lot to be desired. And, uh, and so those, those uh, experiences were super frustrating, right? I mean, uh, clinicians who had no bedside manner, they were not very good at fielding questions or, you know, being able to explain things or frankly, just didn't have the time or didn't care about doing that. Uh, and so that really left a, an imprint on me and on my family, of course. But um, as I was growing up, then just kind of left a passion in my heart for being able to uh, take those positive experiences and wanting to uh, give that to, to other people. And so um, once I got out of high school and, you know, just kind of figuring out what do I want to do with my life, um, initially, you know, started all thinking, oh, maybe pre-med's a, a good way to go. Um, but figure out pretty quickly that looking at, oh man, you know, medical school, you know, a lot, lot of years of schooling. Um, and I wanted to be able to get out and help people in a, in a quicker manner than that. And so um, found out that nursing was maybe a good way to do that. I uh, got into nursing school. Um, and then as I went through that program, I graduated, had my wife, started my nursing career, and then uh, got some really, really great experience in the emergency department and ICU. <clears throat> So my experiences in the ER and ICU, of course, um, those organizations are awesome for what they're needed for, um, you know, especially for people who have an acute illness or, you know, got, they got hit by a car, something along those lines, right? That's a great place for, you know, people to get the help that they need. Um, but there are also that other segment of the population who, we're just chronically ill. Um, people that have, uh, you know, blood sugar problems with their diabetes or um, other uh, pre in, in primarily preventable health diseases in, in some of these circumstances. And so I started seeing these people and, and started asking myself, well, why in the world are these people just continually back in the hospital? And sometimes it was over and over and over again for some of these people. I said, man, this is totally preventable but these people don't know what to do to keep themselves healthy and prevent them from ending up in this place. So um, really kind of left that desire in my heart to say, well, how do, how do we change this? And in order to change that, I said, well, I need to be out of the hospital to be able to do that. And uh, so kind of, had an opportunity. Of course, I was in the military at the time too, and had some additional education benefits. And so, I mean, for me to go back to school is kind of a no brainer. It's like, well, in what way am I going to do that? And as I started exploring possible career fields, 
uh, nurse practitioner really is just so versatile. You know, there's so many different things that we can do. We can work in almost any environment that we want to, whether it's surgery, endocrinology, we can, uh, cardiology, any of the specialties. Um, but we also have the ability to do primary care. And one of the beautiful things about North Dakota is we do have the ability to, you know, have our own practice and, and practice totally auto autonomously. Uh, and not be reliant on the medical system either. And so um, started going through my nurse practitioner schooling. As I went through my nurse practitioner schooling, um, one of my clinical instructors actually is Rhonda Jolliffe. And Steve, you know Rhonda Jolliffe well. Um, she's a very gifted and amazing woman. Uh, her practice is out in uh, Bismarck, North Dakota. And, and yeah. she's very, very much a functional medicine practitioner as well. Um, but I didn't know that, of course, right? She was my clinical instructor uh, going through school. And uh, we would go through case studies. And as we would go through those case studies, we talk about, you know, lab evaluation, treatment plan, uh, diagnoses, all this kind of stuff. And as we went through our treatment plan, I'd say, well, uh, she would review that. And she would say, well, I would think about, you know, maybe adding this or changing this. And sometimes that this was magnesium, ashwagandha, rhodiola, you know, adaptogenic herbs, um, you know, maybe DHEA or hormone precursors, which that stuff isn't in the textbook, right? And so uh, I, I kind of went back to her after having a few of these different conversations because it kind of piqued my interest and I said, well, where in the world are you picking this up from? Because that's not in the textbook. And so she she uh, she kind of humored me for a little bit, and then eventually said, "Well, why don't you you uh, check out the Institute for Functional Medicine?" And so I did, and of course I was still in school at this point, um, and started reading a little bit about the idea and the framework of functional medicine, and it really resonated with me. It's like, holy cow, this is like a whole new world that's totally different from everything else that we're learning. Um, started to become a little bit. Uh, obsessed with the ideas that, you know, functional medicine promoted. Um, and to the point where I said, hold on, time out. I got to stop this for a minute because that's not what my board exam is going to be on. And so I had to kind of set that to the side, uh, get through school, uh, complete my board exam, and then determine where to start, uh, start my nurse practitioner career at that point. And I ended up getting a job in internal medicine at Essentia here in Fargo. And uh, it was a great experience. Uh, learned a lot, learned a ton. Um, and they always treated me well. But as I went through my, uh, started, started my job there and learning about how medicine works and how I can uh, work with these people to promote their health, that passion for functional medicine never left. And so I started using all my continuing education money in that time for functional medicine education. So I started attending all the IFM uh, educations and, you know, traveled around the States going to some of those and started to implement some of those things into my practice. And as I did, people started finding me because I was doing things differently. Um <clears throat> Wow, that's, and, uh, that's incredible, man. I, I go back to the very, when you first started talking about you as a kid being a caregiver at such a young age, was your brother older or younger than you? Yeah, he was younger. I'm the oldest one in the family. 
Okay. Yeah. You have probably had to step up and do a lot of caregiving at a, at a young age with that's just what you did, I imagine, huh? Yeah, there's, there is definitely, uh, there's definitely some of that for sure. Yeah. Wow. So Rhonda, we had Rhonda on, um, as, as a podcast participant talking about, uh, hormone replacement therapy. I think she might've been three or four, something like that. But, um, you got, I'm sure there were like some big aha moments um, in those conversations with her about ways to treat patients. Is that kind of an accurate statement? Yeah, kind of an aha moment, but also the idea where, you know, we can support the body to improve its its health and its function rather than just create a label of a disease and then give a pharmaceutical that matches that disease process, right? Because really, truly in nurse practitioner schooling, other medical schools, like really that's what you're taught, right? You, you assess, you diagnose, and then, you know, we have amazing resources. Um, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to utilize pharmaceuticals when they're needed. Um, but to the idea that medicine in general has is that those pharmaceuticals are just your long-term answer. Right? And somebody comes in with newly diagnosed hypertension, well, or high blood pressure, what do we do? Well, we put them on a blood pressure medicine mm -hmm. and say, yeah. well, eat, eat better, exercise more. But the chances of them coming off of that medicine really, maybe ever, is actually really pretty low. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. So um, that's been an evolution, man. It, it just, uh, the I when you talk about becoming obsessed with it, it's kind of, uh, kind of can consume you with uh, the education and the reading and trying to get better and learning more. It's, um, it's such an ongoing process. Do you kind of feel that way? Oh, it totally is. It's, it's such a rabbit hole, right? I mean, so my, my first thing that I was really uh, excited about, of course, it, and I think the Institute for Functional Medicine really kind of holds the standard, you know, as far as education and that kind of stuff in the functional medicine world. And so I did, I, I went through all of their education. Um, I actually got certified uh, through them. So I have my certification through the Institute for Functional Medicine. Um, last time I looked, I was the only one in North Dakota, at least listed on their website that holds that designation currently. Um, but then beyond that, like that, the world of alternative medicine or medicine that is not supported by conventional medicine is so huge. It's so huge. There's so many things out there that are supportive of our health that help people to just take ownership of their own health and improve their situation that it's almost endless, the things that are out there and yet they are not promoted by conventional medicine. And the reason for that, I think in most situations actually is because most of those things are not patentable, right? So yeah. if they're not patentable, there's no money to be made or at least no large, huge sums of money to be made, which is where, you know, medicine primarily sticks most of its resources, right? I mean, huge yeah. double-blind placebo studies for, you know, new pharmaceuticals and all that stuff. And guess what? Now they have a brand new medicine that they make a ton of money on for a few years, right? right. <laughs> but, but most of those other natural options, that's not available for. And so frankly, they don't put any money behind it. And so there's no education. A lot of people don't know about it. Right. 
Yeah, and it's mostly um, like smaller studies that uh, aren't going to carry the power that, uh, like you said, a double-blind placebo-controlled study. But, you know, there's enough of those studies out there that when you combine them, um, there's good data on the stuff. So oh, I, totally. I totally agree with you with that. So before we, we get into your clinic and kind of some of those um, different type of treatment modalities that you have, I just want to... Uh, recognize you as a veteran. We want to thank you for your service. We're proud of you and and grateful that you that you did what you did when, in your time there. But you had, yeah. you had some, thank you for your support. Yeah, you had some uh, some interesting. Um, you had a couple of tours in Kuwait. I, you can maybe talk a little bit about that, and then also you got to spend some time in New York City at the onset of the pandemic, and maybe want to share a little bit about uh, your time in the service for us. So. Yeah, thanks. Um, the, the service was, or being in the Army Reserve is uh, definitely something I'm proud to have been a part of. Uh, did that for 23 years. Um, you know, the, there's a lot of sacrifices that come as being a part of the military and supporting our country. Um, but, you know, amazing experiences as well. You get a chance to do things that you never would have the opportunity to do otherwise, you know, drive big trucks, flying helicopters. Uh, do that kind of fun stuff so, too. So that was that was really an, an amazing experience. Um, I actually started uh, started my career in the military. Um, actually, in between my junior and senior year of high school is when I I signed that line. And then uh, a week after I graduated from uh, high school, I actually left and went to basic training. So uh, you know, it's been a part of my life. I just uh, retired about a year ago. So prior to a year ago, that's all I really almost knew. And uh, it was uh, kind of a weird feeling to let that go, but um, it was definitely the right step at the right time. Um, but yeah, I started all my, uh, my military career as a engineer. So I was trained in carpentry and masonry and was a part of the 461st engineer company here in Fargo. Um, you know, deployed as an engineer the first time in 2005. We we worked kind of as our uh, construction company for our military bases in Kuwait. So did a lot of cool things doing, uh, you know, concrete work, entry control points, did shower laundry trailers, um, doing electrical work. We put in sewer lines, water lines, all that good kind of stuff. So um, good experience. That's interesting because, you know, you think while you're going in the military, you're going to be infantry or, you know, shoot down planes or having a gun or something like that. And that's like there's so many aspects of it that you that I suppose it's uncomprehendable that what whatever what it has to go on for it to exist. huh? Yeah, I mean, the military itself it has to be fully self-sufficient. Right. So, yes, we have the warfighters, the people that fly those jet planes and we have the people that you know drive the tanks and we have the people that are infantry and all that. But think about you as a pharmacist, how big is your support team, right? Or me as a nurse practitioner, my, my support team is, is huge. So the nurse, the nurses, the front desk people, the administrators, those people are incredibly important. And it's the same in the military. And I mean, the military has to function in, in an efficient manner and in a fast manner. And, um, so it really takes a huge team to be able to do that, you know? So, I mean, yeah, you, you think about people who are the warfighters, but the, the team behind those people just doing supply work, doing maintenance, doing construction, 
um, the military has all of those pieces in place. So um, that, that was my primary role um, initially. And then once I got my nursing degree and also um, I switched over to a hospital unit. And so was part of a combat support hospital um, down in Minneapolis area and uh, stayed there once I got my nurse practitioner degree, became a nurse practitioner in the military. So that last deployment that I did uh, to Kuwait uh, was about three and a half years ago and uh, was deployed there as a nurse practitioner, taking care of our soldiers uh, as well while I was there. So um, another great experience. Uh, it's kind of, you know, we did kind of just everyday wellness, but also worked basically in a, in a, in a light ER in a way doing, um, you know, doing x-rays, doing sutures, uh, you know, evaluation of people who were injured just through their daily activities or sometimes playing football. Um, you know, there, there's all those kinds of opportunities as well for people spending time in the gym and, you know, doing some of those other elective things too. So, um, that was a great experience in taking care of our soldiers as well. So New York city during the pandemic, what was, what was that like? Um, you know, it was kind of a surreal experience. We, we arrived there, um, in April of 2020. So pandemic had been going on for a little while. Um, and of course we, the country was just trying to figure out how to respond to the needs, uh, that we had in those large cities. Um, and so when we arrived in April, I, I had never been to New York before. And so I didn't really know what to compare it to. Although, I mean, you see New York on, on TV all the time, you know, news stations and whatever. Um, and of course, the streets are always full of people and there's traffic everywhere. And we get there, of course. And, you know, as I said, April 2020, in the midst of the pandemic, there's, no, there's nobody around. The only people that were on the streets were the homeless population. Um, and, you know, it was, it was quite a, it's an interesting, uh, interesting experience to say the least. Um, is, I mean, we, so when, when we got there, we had some of our uh, military unit that went to the Javits Center and worked with kind of the overflow patients there uh, who had had COVID. Um, and then also, you know, we were just a block away from uh, the hospital ship. So we got to kind of see that through the, through the fence a little bit, you know, and so it's kind of a little bit of a surreal uh, feeling being able to see those things. But we, as a unit, um, we're, we're the 452nd Combat Support Hospital in Minneapolis. We were deployed to New York for, to support. And actually we were really blessed. My, my commander, uh, was, was from down south. Uh, she actually run. She was actually in the middle of running a COVID ICU. Um, she's a, an intensive care doctor, and so she was our commander. So she knew exactly what she was doing. Um, and she, we actually established our own uh, ICU unit uh, through our our military uh, our military um, group, and so. Uh, we took care of some of our own patients and ran that and just kind of helped take some of the burden off of the, uh, the staff that were at uh, the Bronx or at that hospital in the Bronx. And, uh, and so we were able to really work with some people who um, honestly, I think they were sent to us uh, and they weren't expected to live. Um, and yet 
because of some of the experiences that our commander had, uh, we were able to work and save many of those people who had been on ventilators for nearly two months sometimes. And uh, it was definitely an experience where things were up and down and, you know, I'm not sure what, what was going to happen from day to day. Um, But yeah, I'm grateful for that experience. I think it was super eye opening, really put me in the middle of, uh, you know, some of those people who were the sickest with COVID. Um, But at the same time, I found very interesting that, you know, we took um, two groups of, you know, nearly a hundred soldiers to New York. Not one of us got sick with COVID while we were there. Wow. And so to me is kind of like, huh? Yeah, it's a real thing, right? And people are sick, but at the same time, it's not this thing that's going to like fly from somebody like a half a mile away, land on my cheek, like crawl around and crawl up my nose and make me sick because I'm the only one around that hasn't been infected. Right. I mean, like that fear that was given to you by, uh, by the uh, administration and by, you know, the, you know, news media and these kinds of things to me, it was just like, man, this is so overblown. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, people are sick and yes, it's something to take seriously, but at the same time, like if you're young and you're young and healthy, like this is something that you're likely to do okay with. Yeah. Interesting because that group of 120, 20, uh, um, army personnel were, I, you have to be healthy to be in the army. So that's, uh, that's <laughs> at least when you, at least when you join, <laughs> oh, well, maybe I, as you get into it, I, 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 I would say that not everybody who went with us either oh. is, is the shining example of health. So. Well, interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. an interesting take on it. So, so you, um, you have kind of some unique things that you do in your practice. Um, you do some work with ozone and uh, ozone injections. Do you want to kind of share uh, some of your experience with that? And so what type of patients are going to benefit from those services that you offer? Yeah, absolutely. So Valley Vital Medicine. So now we have been around for, um, so we, we started, um, or I, I, should, I should say, I started in July of 2019. And we did... Um, you know, for about a year and a half or until I just got back from uh, that COVID deployment, I did everything myself. Uh, so that was an interesting experience and we've been blessed and we've been growing like crazy, especially in the last year and a half um, since, since we were able to add some support staff and the nurses here, receptionists, I, I got to make sure that I give them proper kudos because without them, uh, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing. So um, love our staff. They do an amazing job and they're just so supportive of the things we're doing. I have to say too, that one of the most fun things about doing what we do is that we get to see people come back every day feeling better. And it's not because I threw a, you know, a big powerful pharmaceutical atom that is going to really cover up their symptoms. They're feeling better because they're doing the hard work and we're doing things to help support the body in its healing. Um, and so that's what I love about the different uh, services that uh, have kind of developed and, and that we're offering here. So um, I guess first we'll, um, maybe we'll start with maybe some of the pain therapies that we do, right? So um, 
one of the things that I always like to compare to, you know, I, I think about people with, you know, shoulder pain, neck pain, knee pain, hip pain, whatever it is. A lot of times those people will go to the orthopedic doctor, right? And they'll get an evaluation, uh, maybe a quick x-ray and say, hey, yep, you've got arthritis. Okay, so what's what's the best answer? Well, the best answer for them a lot of times is Tylenol or ibuprofen. Um, and then a lot of times it'll be a cortisone shot, right? Yeah. So cortisone shots, they work, right? They help decrease inflammation, they decrease pain so that you can, uh, you can function, you can get through your day. One of the things that I think isn't talked about nearly enough in regards to doing cortisone shots, though, and one of my greatest concerns uh, around that therapy itself is the fact that it's actually, it's a, it's a degenerative therapy. And so, um, especially with repeat uh, cortisone shots, I mean, you, you're really decreasing the blood flow to that area. You're causing degeneration and weakening of the tissues. Um, so what that means is if you're getting going in and you're getting a cortisone shot in your knee and you're doing that more than one time, it's very likely that you're cementing your knee down the road for uh, a knee replacement, right? And so, um, that, that's a little, that's a little worrisome to me. And that's definitely something that I talk to my patients about quite a bit. Um, but there are alternatives out there and they're just not really talked about that much. Um, and so it's more along the lines about, you know, how do we regenerate or help those tissues to be stronger? So one of the things that, um, I did is I was able to go and get trained in ozone therapy. And I was trained by Dr. Frank Schellenberger. He's, he's considered by many to be kind of the godfather of ozone here in the United States. Um, he's down in uh, just outside of Reno, Nevada. And um, he, treat, he teaches a methodology of uh, regenerative injections called prolozone. So prolozone, what it does is it uses a mixture of nutrients. So what, what might be in a in a, in a prolozone injection. So that mixture of nutrients will include some procaine. So procaine is a mild anesthetic, but it also has a, another uh, benefit in that it changes cell potential to better um, allow for healing. In addition to procaine, so we'll put in, uh, in, a, in a syringe, we'll put in their um, dextrose, we'll put in their uh, B12, B-complex, uh, some folic acid. So those are things that your body needs to heal. And in particular, it's really great for nerve health, right? We need those B vitamins for nerves. So if there's nerve damage in that area, bathing those nerves with those B vitamins can be really, really helpful. So um, what we'll do, uh, so for example, if somebody has some knee pain, we'll do a, an injection in the knee with that mix of um, that, that prolo mix. Mm -hmm. And then leave the needle in place, take that syringe off, put another syringe on that has ozone gas in it. So what's ozone? So ozone is O3 by, by definition. So oxygen, of course, is O2. Ozone's O3. So what we do is we actually have, we have a pure oxygen tank, which is hooked up to an ozone generator. And what that does is it takes that oxygen and it converts it from O2 into O3 at whatever concentration it is that we need. So um, the, 
the type of therapy that we're doing will determine the concentration that we want to use. So if we're, if we're doing an injection um, in a joint, we really don't want to do anything over what's called um, 20 gamma. Okay. So gamma is just the concentration of the ozone. Whereas if we're going to treat the blood with ozone, you know, we can, we can work our way up to around 70 gamma. Okay. And so depending on where we're at, we definitely can use different concentrations of ozone. Um, so, but so back to our example of doing an injection in the knee. So put the needle in, put those nutrients into the, into the area, uh, take that syringe off, put the other syringe on with ozone gas, inject the ozone gas into the area, and then that's it. And take the needle out. Um, so it's very similar as far as injection goes to doing a cortisone shot. Um, so you mentioned, uh, you mentioned dextrose in there, dextrose is yep. form of sugar. So what does sugar, what does sugar do in the, in that joint? It provides energy to the cells. Okay. Got it. Yep. So, I mean, dextrose is, is, or sugar is one of those main energy sources for our cells in general. And so, um, one of the things that many times people will hear about as well is uh, a prolo injection. So mm -hmm. prolo and prolozone is, are different. Prolo injections generally will just use some lidocaine and dextrose. So mm -hmm. primarily that sugar um, and do a lot of different pokes into an area. So, and injecting that dextrose in the area. So the whole point behind that is creating as much irritation and as much inflammation as possible to drive blood flow to that area to help the body to heal because now it's got more blood flow. Prolozone is a little bit different. So prolo can be quite painful, right? I mean, it, because you're creating so much of that inflammation, so many pokes and jabs and all that, prolozone is much less painful. Just one poke, put those nutrients in, put the ozone gas in and we're done. And so what does that do? Well, it helps to super oxygenate the area. So oxygen, of course, is at, at the root of helping with healing and decreasing inflammation. It also encourages self, um, stem cell response and being able to send, send stem cells to that area. Um, and, and it encourages regeneration. So, um, you know, they've done x-ray series over time where they've actually shown regrowth of cartilage by utilizing prolozone injections, which I think is really cool. That's awesome. So it's, it's interesting to see the different um, concentrations of the same ingredient being used differently in that joint to produce a different effect, the differences of the dextrose. Um, the other thing that we like to, because we don't have the, the fancy tools that you guys get to have, so we, we go old school and um, try to promote that, you know, I mean, just because you have inflammation in your joint doesn't mean you don't have some systemic inflammation going on as well. And if we, we need to stop that process too in the same, and I'm sure you're doing that as well with these patients, because if it's, if it's not that knee in two or three years, it's going to be the other knee and it's going to be the shoulder and it's going to be the hip. And if we don't stop that process, that's like critical for that, for that to just end it. We need to end it. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah I mean, and, and that is, that is definitely something that, you know, we need to keep in mind and we talk to our patients about, well, you know, what's your diet like, what are you doing for exercise? Um, yeah. And, you know, do you need to lose 50, 75, hundred pounds? 
Um, because obviously if you have knee pain and you're, you know, you have some of that extra, um, on you, that that's going to be really, really hard on those joints. Plus your those people are likely eating a diet that is causing a lot of that extra inflammation, whether that's sugar, wheat, gluten, dairy, um, that kind of stuff too. So there's, that's definitely a part of the conversation. Um, you know, and so we, we work through that over time as well. Um, one thing I, one thing I should say in regards to doing like prolozone injections, um, it's not really a one and done therapy in regards to, Hey, come in, we'll do one injection, send you on your way and you'll be good to go. In general, uh, it takes three to five injections to really get where we want to be for most people, sometimes more. Um, and usually I do those about two weeks apart from each other. So um, what that looks like, I'll have somebody come in, we'll do an initial eval, kind of get to know them a little bit, get to know a little bit about their history, do their first initial injection, have them come back a couple of weeks later for a reevaluation, kind of see where they're at. <clears throat> awesome. So, so another another part of your practice is um, IV uh, nutrition. Yep. Um, you know, one of the you know you hear people getting Myers cocktails. Mm -hmm. so I know I know Myers cocktails. I know you can't go to the bar and get that you know a two for one Myers cocktail or anything like that. But what is a Myers cocktail? So Myers cocktail um, means different things to a lot of different people. Okay. Um, and so it's kind of a blanket uh, term for a mix of nutrients that is built to kind of help promote general health. Okay. And so some of the things that are generally in a Myers cocktail would be like calcium, magnesium, B complex, B12, some vitamin C. Um, that would be the, I would say probably the most common mix. Um, and then a lot of times people will add like glutathione to it as well. Um, you know, people maybe aren't quite as familiar with glutathione. Glutathione is one of, you know, your body's master antioxidant. Uh, it's really, really helpful and crucial for uh, liver health, kidney health, uh, detoxification in general. Um, consistent use of glutathione is great for skin as well. Skin clarity, impurity, and all that kind of stuff too. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So what I what I've sensed in um, just our visit here today, because I've I've known you for probably three or four years now, maybe I can remember the first time we I think we had dinner in Bismarck. Um, yep. with a group of practitioners had a really good conversation that night, but um, I'm I'm sensing that you like to educate. You you seem like a, a really good educator and explainer of what's going on to your patients. So I can see where your bedside manner with them is is going to be. Um, top notch. So I, 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 I wish you lived closer to me. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. And, you know, that is one of the things that I always try to make sure that people understand what it is yeah. you know, that we're talking about, what their options are and things that we can do, you know, whether it is the ozone, um, mm -hmm. you know, we talked a little bit, of course, about prolozone injections, you know, another option is doing like PRP injections. What's the difference? And how do we utilize those things together? Um, the IV nutrients are something that we do quite a bit here. We love it. You know, we do. Uh, we're actually doing quite a bit as well with high dose vitamin C. So supporting people with chronic infections or, you know, cancers and some of those kinds of things. Because um, frankly, there's just not a lot of it available around the area. Um, but it's so safe and so helpful 
And, you know, you mentioned earlier the, the research, right? So there are over 70,000 research articles on IV vitamin C. Wow. 70,000 about the safety and the efficacy, right? Um, ozone therapy, there's over 4,000 studies on ozone therapy and the benefits and the safety of it. You know, we do, we do ozone in multiple different ways. I mean, I love the, uh, I love the flexibility of it because you can use it in so many different ways for so many different conditions and concerns that people have. So we already talked about doing injections. We can do it IV, but we do IV ozone, which is great for supporting the immune system. So if your immune system's low, it brings it up. If it's high, it brings it down. It's anti-inflammatory. It's great for people with autoimmune conditions, chronic infections, uh, inflammation. Um, we actually, this summer, in the last couple of months, brought in Ibu. Uh, so I don't know if you've heard of Ibu, but mm -hmm. it, it's E-B-O-O, -O, stands for extracorporeal blood ozonization and oxidation. And really, it is the highest level of technology in regards to ozone therapy in the world right now. And um, we've had people reach out to us from uh, Colorado, from Idaho, from South Carolina, uh, in regards to, you know, considering coming to where we're at to do these therapies. Um, but what it is, is it's actually a continuous infusion of um, ozone and oxygen into the blood uh, for, for a 50 minute therapy. So it does require starting two IVs on somebody. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the blood would come out one side and it actually goes into a dialysis filter. So the point of the dialysis filter is not to filter things out of the blood, but it actually increases the surface area of the blood, right? And so what, so then we have our ozone generator, which is putting the ozone gas into those dialysis filter straws, which ozonates and oxygenates the blood continuously. And then it gets cycled through an ultraviolet light, which also helps to support the body's immune system. It's antiviral, antibacterial, um, anti-inflammatory. And then it comes back to the person on the other side and it's a continuous infusion and therapy um, that we do uh, for 50 minutes and can be totally life-changing for people um, who have uh, chronic illness, chronic mold, um, also, uh, there are people who have post-COVID or chronic fatigue issues that are seeing huge benefits from, from these kinds of therapies. Wow. That's, that's incredible. Wow. You are, uh, you are providing some, uh, extremely novel services that, uh, are unique. So great. Kudos to you. Um, so I, I always ask this question to, um, to, the people that hop on the podcast is that if you know for our listeners today if they could make one change to improve their health what what would you recommend that they do today there's so many options right <laughs> there's so many options but i always come back to what what is that lowest hanging fruit that's going to make the biggest difference for most people and I feel like one of those things and that, I, that I talk to my patients about regularly is I say, well, what is the greatest anti-inflammatory that you can do today? Movement. It's exercise. Yeah. You can take all the supplements in the world. 
But if you don't move, you're missing out on your free, most potent anti-inflammatory that you have. So if you can move and you can sweat every day, that is something that is so worth doing and can change your health in amazing ways. And it is going to only support everything else that's happening. That's great advice. Well, this, I think we could uh, talk for a really long time, Trevor. Um, you're full of a wealth of information and knowledge. And um, But we're going to wrap this up. I uh, want to thank you once again for your uh, time in the service, for being in the military, for protecting uh, citizens of the United States. And we want to want to thank every veteran out there for that same service that they've done for their country. So, um, yeah, thanks for that, Steve. And I, I want to I want to say just on that same line, um, just because I love the military and the things that the military has done and what it's meant to me too. Um, you know, I, I do 15% off all my services every day, all year long for those veterans. And so um, we love having our veterans here. So if any veterans are listening, they're worrying about, you know, the services that we offer, uh, we'd love to, to chat with them. And, you know, we do our best to make it as affordable for those people as we can. That's awesome. So if you've made it this far into the podcast, I promised a little reward for you. You're going to get 25% off a supplement of your choice using the code Trevor Hossauer podcast. We're going to, we're going to use that. I hope that's okay. Of course. Uh, for telephone and, and in-person orders at the pharmacy. So um, thanks a ton for uh, spending time with me, Trevor. Uh, it was a, it was a great time. And uh, for all those listeners out there, you know how I end this thing as always be vigilant about your health. Thanks Steve. Appreciate being here. As always, be vigilant about your health.